Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer noob, rock in America. Soccer noob, rock in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode number 158 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring you know who. Hello. And if you don't know who, hey, I'll let you know. That's my 11-year-old daughter co-host, the real star of the show, Person Noob. Together we are here to take you on a podcast experience like no other because we're going to give you many match previews from all over the world. And I'm not talking about just from the biggest leagues and the biggest countries. While we'll generally stick with top flight leagues, we will go to any far-flung corner of the world to find matches where they are uh, important, where they're being played. If it's high stakes, where it's at, there's a pretty good chance that it is on our radar. This particular week will run from uh, matches on Friday the 20th of October through Thursday the 26th. We'll do a culture break. My daughter will take over with her own segment. It'll get silly. It'll get lots of fun. But we have to get started first, so let's dive right in with... March number one! Always looking to mix things up. Let's do things chronologically backwards this particular week because one of the most fun matches I think is coming up Thursday. Highest stakes matches based on where it's being played. The classic example of why we do this show and one of the matches, a type of match probably nobody else is talking about. We're going to visit the South Pacific, specifically the Solomon Islands. Yeah, their top league is called the S League. It is ranked third in the OFC. That's the Oceania Football Confederation. That ranking according to a site I like anyway called Kick Algorithms. Uh, As is true for any of the top seven leagues in the OFC, the top two teams will officially make the Champions League, although they will then have to have a playoff to determine who goes to what I think of as the real start of the Champions League. This is the last match, not just Mass J, the literal last match of the entire season. These are the only two who haven't played their last ones. Number one, Solomon Warriors, and they are playing host to number three, Central Coast. Here's how the table looks. Uh, Solomon Warriors, they've got 47 points with an astounding plus 53 goal differential, but despite that, they're still in danger. You've got Waniago United at uh, 47 points as well, plus 19. They have, again, finished their season. And then you've got Central Coast. Uh, They are a point back and have a plus 35 goal differential. So I say that the Warriors are in danger. That's only true in terms of actually winning the league crown. They cannot be bumped out of the top two here on this last day. So the big question is, will Central Coast get a win or even a draw and get to move up and bump out Wanayagu United? 
When the two played earlier this season, Central Coast won at their place 3-2. to two. Solomon Warriors, as you would imagine, based on the goal differential, very tough at home. Let's talk about them first. Uh, they play out of the capital city of Honiara, as do uh, nearly all, I think, of the teams in this league. They have won the uh, league title eight times, and they are your defending champions. Last year, they also advanced past that national playoff and made the group stage proper. They finished in third place in their uh, group of four, so they didn't get to advance any further. This year, they've got the number one offense by almost 50%, getting over three and a third goals per match. That's one of the highest averages I've seen in any top flight league anywhere in the world this year. Their defense is also top three. They give up less than a goal per match and have the number one overall goal differential. Even in a neutral site, I think that they would be your favorites at home. They are giant favorites because check this out. They are on a roll. Team's current form, four straight wins all on the road, no less. And yet they've accrued a 28 to nil goal differential over that stretch. Wow. All right, Central Coast, also from Honiara, don't have a ton on them. They just joined the S League in 2020. Before that, they played in what used to years ago be the top flight in this country, which was simply the Honiara City or Honiara Football League. I think it went by a couple different names. Yet they've already won the league title once, did so in 2021. Last year, they just missed out on the playoffs. My guess is that is what will happen again in the Champions League. They finished in third. Uh, this year, they've got the number one defense going, giving up only three quarters of a goal per match on average. Second best overall goal differential. If it were earlier in the season, I would predict them to make it. But boy, they have happened to save their uh, toughest road match for last. Team's current four and five, one and zero over their last six with an 18 against two goal differential. My favorites are still Solomon Warriors, but Central Coast, they will be no easy meet. Match number B. Match number B, yeah. Thank you, daughter dears, for reminding us the number two, so uncouth, it's bathroom talk. Change your lives for the better. It is transformational. Change that phrase to number B, so much more polite and appropriate for society. Listen to it in action right now for a very special match number B, Wednesday. Yeah, once again, we're moving backwards in time this particular week. UEFA Champions League group stage is our destination, an event that has been divided into groups of four. They're playing a double round robin at each one in the top Two will advance to the knockout stage. Uh, after this round of matches, they will be halfway through. The best-looking one to our eyes looked like number three in their group, Feyenoord, out of the Netherlands versus number B. There it is again, Lazio from Italy, Serie A. A quick glance at the table. Atletico Madrid lead things just barely. They have four points. They are tied with Lazio on both points and on goal differential. They have scored one more goal, so that's your... Uh, second tiebreaker, and it's, it has them in first place on paper for the moment. Uh, so again, Lazio at four points, Feyenoord just a little bit behind at three points. But Noob is starting to get a little hungry, my tumbly getting a little rumbly early in this particular episode. That's all you're going to get out of us this particular match. It helps that obviously we've got plenty more group stage uh, match weeks to look at matches from this event. So we're going to go to uh, Rotterdam, where Feyenoord is, and look at a dish that is both very traditional. It's an example of modern heritage because it's also multicultural. I was given a tip about a uh, quote-unquote drunk dish called Capsalon, K-A-P-S-A-L-O-N. And if that looks to you and sounds like 
Oh, that could mean hairdresser or something. That's because that is the little literal translation. Cap like the top of your head, salon like a hair salon. Uh, this dish was invented in Rotterdam in 2003. Uh, the guy who asked for it at this particular place sort of invented the dish himself, wanted something that mixed up all of his favorite flavors, didn't care it wasn't on the menu. He worked right next to a shawarma restaurant called Al Aviva, and so he would ask for it and get it. Eventually, other people were like, oh, that sounds really good. I'll have what he's having. And so they simply started calling in first the hairdresser's regular and then just the hairdresser. What exactly is it? Well, imagine yourself having had a fantastic night out in Rotterdam, maybe a drink or three too much, or maybe that's just the perfect amount, whatever it is, but you decide you need a little something to soak up all that fun in your stomach. All right, when you're gonna get these as snack bars or various places where they're sold now, which is all over uh, the country, it's very much caught on, you're gonna get a disposable metal tray and a really sizable one typically. And to make this first, they layer the bottom with already uh, pre-cooked french fries, then goes on a layer of euros meat. Yeah, that's gonna be typically your lamb, uh, maybe depending on the place, you might get a lamb beef uh, combination. It's gonna be a spice just like euros would. It's also made with something called doner meat, although, Based on the descriptions that I read of each one, I really couldn't tell the difference. It's gonna be thinly shaved regardless. Next, you put on a bunch of sl slices of Gouda cheese, absolutely cover it. At this point, you're gonna reheat it because you need that cheese to melt. Once it is, then you put on your layer of shredded iceberg lettuce and then garlic sauce and then a second sauce. And this is where things get uh, really interesting in terms of the heritage and the multiculturalness. You're gonna put on a hot sauce called sambal, S-A-M-B-A-L. This is an Indonesian chili sauce or paste. And uh, oftentimes you're also gonna have secondary ingredients in there as well, like uh, you might be making a shrimp paste, uh, could have uh, more garlic in there, ginger, shallot, scallion. Uh, I've written, oh, palm sugar and lime juice. But the main flavor is always going to be from the chili peppers. We'll get this. Chilies are from the Americas, not Southeast Asia at all. So like, a, you know, it's a Dutch colony or was Indonesia, that is. And therefore we get another layer of multiculturalness with this dish. Little bit of sad uh, uh, news though. The hairdresser who for all intents and purposes originally uh, invented this dish, which can now be found in restaurants as far away as Nepal, is that was actually from Cape Verde. Yeah, more multiculturalist. He died this year. So uh, a tip of the cap for inventing an incredibly tasty dish from what it sounds like, Capsalon. Match number three. And already we have taken the Wayback Machine to the weekend. One of our Sunday matches is from the Premier League of Belize, where they are in the opening stage. Uh, like all their uh, Central American and many Latin American counterparts in general, they divide their soccer year into two separate seasons, effectively, or stages. Normally they would be Apatura and Clausura, opening and closing. Here they simply call it the opening stage, because, of course, Belize, formerly British Honduras, you've got an official language that is still English. They're ranked number 14 of all league associations in CONCACAF, and only 14 of them even get an international play and are of at least semi-professional status to earn a ranking. So they are the weakest of all the leagues where there's actually money changing hands. 
The top four teams are going to make the playoffs from this stage, and that's really, really critical because they have any shot at getting to the Central American Cup, which is a feeder tournament to our overall championship, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, you have got to win the playoffs. Once they win the playoffs in a stage, they will have to beat the champions of the other stage should a different team be the winner of that. They're about two-thirds of the way through the stage here. Your key matchup, number B currently, Port Loyola versus number one Progresso. Really excited for this because normally you only see two teams at the top of this league, Verdes and Altitude, and nobody else seems to get in there except for Progresso sneaks in some. These two are tied on points, hence the reason we are covering it. That's an automatic for us. Uh, Progresso currently lead by four on goal differential tiebreaker. When they played earlier this season, Port Loyola got a nil-two win on the road. Now they're looking to defend their home turf, which is in Belize City, the former capital of British Honduras. It's currently a city of well over 60,000, and it is the true center of business and of industry in the nation. They have never won a league title, so rarefied air for them. 2022-23 closing stage, the last completed stage that they played, they finished in third place and then made only the playoff semifinals. This particular stage, the defense, that's a little bit above average, but the offense is where they're excellent. Second best in that regard, getting almost two and a quarter goals per match. They've got the number three overall goal differential. I don't like them to probably be able to finish the regular season number one, but yes, I do like them to stay high enough to get into the domestic playoffs. Team's current form, they are 4-0-1 in their last five, and they've won two straight matches. And now Progresso. They are from a town called Orange Walk Town. That is three separate words and yet fully constitute the name of the town. Uh, it's about an hour north of Belize City in the north central uh, coastal part of the country. It's the fourth biggest one, maybe has 15,000 people or so there. Uh, because of something that happened called the Caste War in Mexico in the 1800s, uh, there were a lot of refugees came over, Spanish-speaking ones. And then in the 1960s, uh, there was major sugar mill production in this area. And so you had a lot of Spanish-speaking immigrants coming over. And while the majority of the population does also speak English, this is one of the areas where you will find the most Spanish uh, being kind of the lingua franca, if you will, in the town. This team has never won a league title. 2023-23 closing stage, they finished in fourth place, snuck into the playoffs, and then lost there in the semifinal. Their defense is well above average, but the offense is where they are really great, getting almost two and a half goals per match. Number one in that regard, and they've got the number one overall goal differential. I expect a shootout in this match. Uh, Progresso's current form, they have not lost since the second and third matches of this entire entire stage in which I believe they're now nine matches deep. Match number four. We come back stateside for our only other Sunday match for this episode, and it is a dandy because it is a trophy match from Major League Soccer's Next Pro. That is the league for their reserve teams. This is their final. It is being held in Columbus. Uh, they've earned the right to host it this year. That's one of your teams. By the way, just to let you know, for those who are unfamiliar, a pretty standard format for them. Uh, top seven from each of the Eastern and Western conferences, so roughly half the teams, made the playoffs. Your final. Uh, number three finishers 
from the East Columbus Crew uh, 2. We can say 2 instead of B because the word number is not in there. Versus number 4 out of the West, Austin FC 2. Battle of Roman versus uh, Arabic numbers. Columbus Crew use the Arabic number and Austin FC have the capital I, capital I, which is neither here nor there, but I just think it's fun that it's you know, somewhat arbitrary which ones various teams are using. All right, Columbus. They have a really fun unofficial mascot, although I think the fans would tell you that it is uh, just just one hair's breadth shy of unofficial. They are known as the Capybaras. I don't know why they're called that, because it is a South American rodent, the largest of them. In fact, imagine a very, very shaggy guinea pig, and basically that's what you have. They are not hosting this at Historic Crew Stadium, where the Major League Soccer team uses to play. They are going to get to host this where the big boys play at lower.com field, expecting a big turnout. They advanced through the semifinal over number one New England, had to play them on the road and got a nil one victory. They are your defending conference and playoff champions here. Uh, this is just their second season. They were pretty well balanced. Uh, didn't expect them to get to the final this particular year. Top four offense, top five defense. Very high scoring league, by the way. Top four out of 13. And they were getting over two goals per match. And yet one of their key players, let's look at the defensive side, tied for second best in clean sheets uh, with six of those, Brady Scott. Now, he was only number nine in save percentage, but directs the defense in front of him very well. Started his career over with FC uh, Cologne, or Köln, if you will, K-O-L-N, over there in the German uh, Bundesliga and league system. He made 10 U.S. men's national team appearances for the under-20 team between 2017 and 19. So this this is a guy who's been very well thought of in the past. But their MVP has probably been uh, Gibran Rayo, 22 years old as all, but 11 goals plus five assists on the season. An incredibly accurate shooter, 87% shots on target. That is efficiency. Also, 70% uh, successful dribble rate. That is not an all-time high that I've ever seen, but way above average in any league. Team's current form, they have won five straight matches. Austin FC, too. This is their very first season in existence. They advanced over number one seed, Colorado Rapids, out of the West. Uh, Nil-nil, and then 1-4 on penalty kicks. Uh, their offense, not impressive at all. They weren't even getting one and a half goals per match. Well below average, but the number one defense by a mile, giving up only three-quarters of a goal and change per match on average. Number four overall goal differential once you add it all up. Uh, their goalkeeper, this could be, end up being a battle of goalkeepers, depending on the pace of the game. Number one by a landslide in clean sheets. Remember Brady Scott for Columbus had six. This guy had 15 of them, just 21 years old, talking about Damian Las, L-A-S. He came up a youth career with both a Fulham over in England and then Chicago Fire System. And he made nearly 20 under-17 appearances between 2017 and 19. So a guy who's been in very uh, held in very high regard in the past. Team's current form, they have won three straight matches. If they are able to control the pace and get this to penalty kicks, it's anybody's game. But I've got to believe that if you've got to make a wager on this, go with the host team and the defending champions, the Copybearers of Columbus. Match number five. 
A trophy match starts us out on Saturday as we pivot to the women's side of the ball in South America. The Copa Libertadores, South America's version of the Champions League, they have reached their final for the gals. Now, unlike the men's tournaments, who uh, everything except the final is always uh, held either home or away for various matches, this entire event has been held in Colombia, as will the final be, even though the final is between two Brazilian teams talking about Palmyras and Corinthians. Uh, Palmyras, their team was refounded in 2019. They've played on and off essentially since 1997. The team is essentially still outsourced. So Palmyras are involved from a financial sense as far as the men's club and organization, but that's pretty much it. In fact, they play in uh, Vinedo, Sao Paulo, not where the men are uh, currently stationed. This is an area that uh, is an extremely poor one, actually, within Sao Paulo, an area of about 80,000. Palmyras are your defending champions, albeit that is their only title. They advanced over a team we talked about, I believe, the week before, Atletico Nacional uh, slash Intimas Formas, sort of a uh, partnership of two previously separate teams, beat them three to one. Uh, 2023 uh, Serie A1, which is the top women's flight in Brazil, they finished in second place, finished very recently, as you would imagine. But then they fell out of the uh, playoffs in the first round, or essentially the quarterfinals. Their defense was very good, but their offense, they were getting over three goals per match, second best in the entire league. Number one league scorer to keep track of, she scored 14. That was Amanda Gutierrez. And then tied for number three in event scoring uh, for this tournament has uh, been uh, Bia Zanarato plays forward with them. She has had nine goals already. Talk about red hot. And now on paper, your visitors, Corinthians. They are also from Sao Paulo, so logging the same number of frequent flyer miles uh, to Colombia. They qualified as the 2022 league champions last year. They have won four league titles. They are your behemoth in this league traditionally and are your uh, two-time defending champions of that league, just not this event. But they have won three Copa Libertadores Femenina titles. Most recent one was two years ago. They had a tough time in the semifinal, uh, only managed to uh, tie or draw, I should say, with Internacional 1-1 after 90 minutes plus, had to beat them 4-3 on penalty kicks. Key player to look for, tied for number three in events, scoring was the singularly named, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Melene, M-I-L-E-N-E. Uh, she plays forward for them and has made 12 national team appearances as well. 2023 Serie A1, they won the regular season and the playoffs, were number one on both offense and defense. The defense, they really shown. Uh, they only gave up a little bit over a goal on average every other match. Key player to look for offensively for them, tied for second best in league scoring, was... Uh, the singularly named, I'm going to pronounce it Hennifer, J-H-E-N-I-F-F-E-R. In any event, she netted 11 times this season. Summer bleeds into autumn and still the kitties have needs or one particular need. I don't know what any of it means, but the sound of the cats always means that they want a recap of last week's matches. It doesn't make any sense for us to track them unless we're going to tell them, tell you how they turned out. So Saturday last week, match number one from the USL Championship, number nine, Oakland Roots, uh, played host to number eight, El Paso Locomotive. It was the road locomotive that got the win one to two that moved them up to number seven and Oakland Roots out of the playoffs down in the 10th place. Okay, lost him up for them. 
Match number B from the English FA Cup, fourth qualifying round, Cray Valley Paper Mills versus Enfield Town, and it was Cray Valley, uh, our super medal that we're going to continue to track. They won 5-2. to two. Match number three came to us from the UEFA Euros qualification group. Stage number one, Slovenia took on number three, Finland, and it was Slovenia dropping the hammer 3-0. Guy we said to look for, Andraj uh, Sporar. He had an assist. No change in the standings for that particular table, though. Match number four from the Copa Libertadores uh, Femenina quarterfinals. We had uh, Universidad de Chile taking on Colombia's Atletico Nacional slash Formas Intimas, and it was the ladder winning 1-2 on the road. Match number five from Denmark's Cavinda uh, Liga, the women's side, number B, Kolding, took on number one, uh, Norgeland, and it was Kolding getting the 2-0 win. That moved them up to number one, and Norgeland all the way down to number three. Sunday, match number six from the CONCACAF Nations League group stage, number three in their group, Honduras, took on number B, Cuba, and it was Honduras getting a 4-0 win. Got a couple of blowouts here. Guy we said to look for, uh, Daniel Maldonado had the opening goal. Uh, Honduras moved up to second place. Cuba not, got knocked down all the way to fourth, last place in that group. Match number seven from Mexico's Liga de Expansión, the Apertura stage. That is the second level in Mexico, by the way. Number three, Atlético La Paz took on number B, Mineros de Zacatecas. And the result was a win for the Mineros on the road. Nil, one. Uh, La Paz, uh, got we said to look for uh, Michel Blanchet. He had a goal at the 38th minute. And then proceeded to get yellows at the 42nd and 45th plus four minutes. So by the time the first half was done, he was out of the game with a converted red card. Uh, that moved Veneros, by the way, this victory up to first place. And things are very tight in that table. La Paz all the way down to number six. Match number eight from the NWSL. Last match of the regular season, number five, Washington Spirit. Uh, they had North Carolina Courage come to town. And another road win seems to be a theme. Uh, the Courage got the no one win for Washington. Washington, Trinity Rodman, she got a straight red on a really dumb play that I watched in the 23rd minute, no less. Uh, that knocked them all the way to uh, down to number eight and out of the playoffs. Way to go, Trinity. Carolina, they moved up all the way to number three and will get to host a match in the opening round of the playoffs. Tuesday, match number nine from the uh, Asian Football Confederation World Cup Qualification Tournament. First qualifying round, second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Number 45 in Asia, Guam took on number 33 Singapore. Singapore uh, got a nil one win and will be advancing. Wednesday, match number 10 from the UEFA Women's Champions League, second qualifying round. Uh, second leg in the home and away, two leg and tie. Valerenga took on Real Madrid. It was the Spaniards getting, oh, a nasty road win, nil three. That is just painful, Valerenga. All right, and now our uh, three bonus matches with explanations to come later. Your route of the week was a Wednesday match from Brazil, Serie A. Number 20, last place, America MG took on Number one, Botafogo. Botafogo, they got the win, but it was hardly a blowout. One to two. Uh, guy we said to look for there, Adrielson. Uh, he had an assist on the game-winning goal. And then Sunday, your most meaningless match in the world was from the second division in Spain. Number 14, Burgos versus uh, number 12, the reserve team of La Liga's Villarreal. Villarreal Bay, if you will. Burgos got a really nice win, three to two. Curo Sanchez, that we said to look for, had an assist. That moved them up to 10 and Villarreal down to number 14. And then finally, your match of disappointed a Wednesday match from Paraguay's Primera División, where they're in the Clausura.
Tourist Stage, number 11, Takuari, took on number 12, Guarena, and it was Guarena getting a 1-3 win. Interestingly, they traded uh, players that got first half straight red cards, so uh, a lot of unhappiness and iron consternation down there, but not for Guarena's uh, Jose Verdun. We said to look for him. He got a goal. Takuari, uh, they fell down to number 12, and that moved Guarena well up out of the relegation zone for the moment, up to number 9. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number 6. For this bit of Saturday action, we come back stateside once again, this time for second division action. Now, the uh, MLS Next Pro we talked about earlier, that is considered third-tier soccer here in the States. The USL Championship is the sole league that occupies the position of the second tier. Their playoffs are just getting started. They call it the conference quarterfinals. Think of this as the round of 16. The winners of this particular match in the East that we're going to talk ever so briefly about will get the winners of the Charleston Battery uh, match versus Indy 11. Indy 11. They finished number three and six, respectively, in the Eastern Conference. The best-looking matchup is number four versus number five, simply by virtue of where they uh, finished in the Eastern Conference standings. Number four, Memphis 901 versus number five, Louisville City. Memphis finished two points ahead of Louisville City in the Eastern Conference regular season. But that's all you're going to learn about these two this particular week because it is merely the round of 16 seems like a great opportunity for us to do what we do weekly and that is let my daughter Persinoob take over for a subject that is near and dear to her heart and relating to the area where the match is being played this is aminals 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 from around the world and knocking stuff down um, today we are doing an animal called the Appalachian Elk Toe. That's a fun name. Mm-hmm. Um, the Appalachian Elk Toe uh, is a muscle, so it has a shell-like clam. Uh, and it's only found in Tennessee and North Korea. Um, and this animal is critically endangered. I think you'd be North Carolina. Yeah. That'd be very disparate locations if it were in North Korea. Oh. <laughs> I said that wrong. Um, all right. Alright, when these little guys are young, they are brownish yellow color. And as they get older, they they get darker brown and the yellow becomes green. Their shells are about four inches uh, long. Uh, they live in cool, fast long river waters. They inhabit river sections where there's more rock and gravel at the, at the river's bottom. This is as opposed to where there's more clay and silt. They're, they do not thrive when there are a lot of particles like that moving through the water. And there are so few of them left that they're, that they're really hard to study. It's not known exactly what they eat, or mostly what kinds of fish they attach themselves to when young before dropping in an area of their life. Alright, now the threats. It's not known for sure, but probably siltation. This means logging, mining, or even common agriculture practices churn up silt in the river that's bad for the octopus. Man-made pollutions are are also probably hunt hurting them, as with most river life. Areas where they live are often now under government protection, but there are only two decently sized populations in the different rivers remaining. And this has been Animals from Around, around the, the World. world. Match number seven. 
Match number four is our final Saturday match. We stay in the United States. This time, your featured Major League Soccer match of the week. Now, this is the one major league within the United States that has not reached the playoff stage yet. This is known as Decision Day, the final day of the regular season. Interestingly, there's mostly fairly predictable-looking matches on paper. Not a lot of high-stakes matches for both teams, especially given that we don't happen to have relegation in our particular league. So if you're out of the running for the playoffs, there's no danger of, like, say, getting moved down to the championship or something like that. So there was one particularly interesting matchup, and that is number 10 from the West, Sporting Kansas City, versus number 11 from the West, Minnesota United. A reminder that when it comes to the playoffs, out of which the top nine from each conference are going, hence the reason this is such an important match, will get to go to the CONCACAF Champions Cup. That is our version of the Champions League. In fact, until this year, it was called that for the last couple of, I believe, decades. Now, these two teams are tied on points. No guarantee that either of them will get into the playoffs. In fact, if they play to a draw, neither one can mathematically make it in. If one of them wins, it is not guaranteed that they will get in, but it seems very likely because they trail three different teams by exactly two points. If all three of those teams win, then all three of them are going to the playoffs. If any of them falter and Sporting Casey or Minnesota can win this matchup, that team gets into the play-in round of the playoffs, number eight versus number nine. You can catch this match, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Apple TV with Major League Soccer Pass. This is something of a mini preview for the newer fans. There won't be a lot of in-depth stuff here. That's simply not what we do. And a lot of you veteran fans know these teams. Nevertheless, maybe you'll be surprised. I hope so. Sporting Kansas City. All right, New Bites. They've been around for a little while. Used to be known as the Wizards. They have won two league titles. Most recent one was a decade ago, though. 2019, they had their best ever international finish, making what is now the CONCACAF Championship, uh, Champions Cup semifinals. Last year, they did not make the playoffs at all. They finished number 12 in the West. Bad season for them. Uh, this year, the defense is still pretty ripe. You can hold your nose to it. But the defense has moved up to average. They get one and a third goals and change per match. Uh, overall, just the number 10 goal differential. If they sneak into the playoffs, that would be great for them, especially considering the horrible start they had to the season. But I wouldn't predict them to go any farther than that play-in match. Their MVP, as he seems to be every year, is Hungarian left winger Daniel Sadloy. He's had seven goals and five assists. He's a really physical player, good tackler as well. 2021 was the last time he made the uh, Major League Soccer All-Star team. He's actually been here in KC since 2016, uh, getting over 200 appearances for the club. Team's current form, they've been on a win-loss pattern for their last seven matches. No draws to be found. Unfortunately for them, they're due for a loss if pattern holds. All right, now Minnesota United, they are known as the Loons. They may or may not be crazy. Uh, we're referring to the Bird in this particular instance. United have never won a league title. 2020, they made the semifinals, best they've ever done. Last year, they fell out of the playoffs here in the first round. Uh, this year, uh, they're very well balanced and very average, tied for number seven on offense, eight on defense. They give up over a goal and a half per match. That's not great for going on the road. Uh, they're tied for number seven overall in goal differential. This is a team that I would have thought was just good enough to, the play to make the playoffs, but the defense has let them down in some key moments. Team MVP on the year for them, I believe, has been Emmanuel Reynoso, their Argentinian attacking midfielder. 
Butler. Six goals, three assists. Number one in successful dribbles by a lot. He is the engine for their offense. Four and a half successful dribbles per 90 minutes. And he made the Major League Soccer te- uh, All-Star team, not this year, but the year before. Still very strong. Team's current form. Uh, they just got a 5-2 win over the uh, very weak LA Galaxy, but that snapped a seven-match winless streak. They needed something to get some kind of momentum going. They have not had a single clean sheet, though, in eight straight matches, and I don't think that uh, bodes well for them on the road at all. Advantage here, Kansas City. Match number eight. And now we flip the calendar page back to the start of this show's Soccer Week Friday. And this isn't so much going to be a match preview, number three, as it is a brief preview of a brand new event that is going on. Remember all of the hullabaloo over a possible European Super League? Everybody was afraid that it would push the Champions League and goodness knows what else right out of existence or you know, yeah, change them inextricably forever. Well, in Africa, they now have the Africa Super League. Now, this is not replacing, at least for the moment, the Champions League. And right now, they've decided to scale it back. It was going to be bigger than this. Let me tell you what's going on. Uh, basically, the eight best-ranked teams from Africa are going to take place, are going to be taking part, rather, in an eight-team knockout event this year. It was going to be a 24-team, three-region event. Even somehow with regions involved, there was also going to be promotion and relegation. Not sure how that was going to work. They've decided to scale it back this year. They've got that scheduled for next year as a big expansion. So this year is sort of a trial run. In fact, speaking of trials, basically FIFA considers Africa their laboratory, their playground to try out stuff like this. Although this is more than that. They think that despite the fact that the Champions League uh, is and will continue to go on as things are planned, that this Super League will raise billions of dollars over the coming years or a couple of decades And that money is going to be put into building what they're calling FIFA-caliber stadiums in every single nation in Africa. Because a lot of them, quite frankly, I'm going to guess 60% based on some information I have, don't have those or that they could use a a lot of upgrades. So the prize money for this event for the winners, it's worth it for the teams. It's going to be right on par with what is currently offered to the African Champions League winners and various participants. Um, I know that the very first uh, match involved on Friday is going to be involving uh, Al Ailey, of course, the giant from Africa, and then uh, Simba, I believe, from uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, another very big one, obviously, since they're considered to be in the top eight. Won't give you a preview for that this time around. However, we will start doing some match previews proper, if you will, as the event moves on. But right now, basically simply wanting to let you know about the existence of the event. I'd be really curious to find out how this goes and if they really do get the viewership and attendance to raise the kind of money that they think it's going to. Match number nine. Back to the States we come yet again. Match number nine is from another Tier 3 league. We've already had MLS Next Pro with their final. Well, the USL League 1 is also Tier 3, and they are just starting their playoffs, the quarterfinals. Number four, Charlotte Independence taking on number five, Greenville Triumph. That looked like the best match to us. Charlotte Independence, uh, they finished just one point ahead of Greenville, and this is a really classic matchup. Uh, 
the ma- the series between these two has always gone the way, well, not always, but more often than not gone the way of the Triumph. Greenville leads with a 4-0-2 record in the league's somewhat brief history. This season, they've already played three times. Greenville won at their place 3-2, and then the two times that they have played in Charlotte so far, they won 1-0 and 2-1. Now they get a third one at home, virtue of their seeding. Can they make it three in a row on their own turf against Greenville? We find out on ESPN+. Plus. 7.30 Eastern Time. Your home team, Charlotte Independence, they are known as the Jacks. Uh, 2015 through 21, they actually took part in the USL Championship, the second division league, of course, as we've discussed here in the States, but they've chosen to draw back down. They've never made it further than the round of 16 in the playoffs up there. Last year in this league, they made the quarterfinals, so they fell out right away. This year, looking to improve on that. If they do so, more than likely it will be because of their scoring. They're above average in that regard, getting one and a half goals plus per match. Defense was a little bit below average. Overall, they had the number four goal differential, and that is where they finished. I like them for this match since it's at home. Tied for number five in assists in the league with seven on the air, Miguel Ibarra, their attacking midfielder, veteran, 33 years old. His longest tenure was with Major League Soccer's Minnesota United. So as he gets a little bit longer in the tooth, he's had to drop down a couple of divisions, but still getting a little bit of that cash. Three national team appearances that he made between 2015 and 2016. Their goalie for them is also very good. Tied, or not tied, but rather number three in clean sheets on the year with nine. That was Austin Pack. But I believe their MVP has been the singularly named uh, Joel. He is from, or at least represents, Liberia internationally, midfielder. He's got six goals and four assists on the year. Teams current form, they're just 0-2-1 in their last three with a three against six goal differential. So that defense has been haunting them a little bit. Can they shore things up at home? They didn't have any clean sheets over those three matches. Greenville Triumph coming to town. They were founded five years ago. They already have one league title. That was in 2020. Last year, they got to the semifinals. This year, the offense, they really struggled, only getting uh, one and one-thirds goals per match. Now, that's not struggling in a lot of leagues, but in this league it is. It's been a very high-scoring one all year long. They had a number three defense, though, giving up just one and a quarter goals per match. Number five goal differential. I don't like them here on the road, but I think it's going to be very competitive, hence the reason we can uh, pick this particular one. I wouldn't bet money on it either way. Tied for number four in league scoring with 13, pretty much responsible for the lion's share of their offense. That was Leonardo Castro, Colombian veteran. 34 years old forward for them, came over here after three years with South Africa's Kaiser Chiefs. Fun name, if you know the band. Tied for number three and assist for them on the year with eight. Alan uh, Gavalanes, I believe it's pronounced. He is a U.S. product, left winger. Started his career at the youth level with New York City uh, Red Bulls. Team's current form, 1-2-0 in their last three. Two state draws, so uh, not exactly sliding, but just a little bit of a blip on their uh, schedule there. They haven't had a clean sheet in their last five matches either, and that's why this is going to be so volatile. I'm looking for a lot of goals in this particular matchup and match number 10 we're done finally Oh, patience daughter dearest match number 10 keeps us stateside at the very least 
The NWSL, the top flight here for the women in the States, they're starting their playoffs at the quarterfinal. The top two teams from the regular season got buys. The next four teams are facing off. The matchup we're going to look at, the winners will get to play number one, San Diego Wave. Talking about number four, OL Rain, and number five, Angel City. The Rain finished just one point ahead of Angel City, and so they get to play host here. They have had a dominant streak the last couple of seasons, 6-1 and 1 against Angel City. This season, however, they have split so far, each winning on their home turf. Uh, OL Rain 4-1 earlier in the season, Angel City winning in Los Angeles 2-1, but this one back to the Pacific Northwest Advantage Rain. They are known as the Bold, have never won a league title, but they did make the final in back-to-back years 2014 and 15. Last year, they got as far as the semifinals. This year, uh, they've been a little bit above average on both offense and defense. It's not the highest scoring league in the world. They've gotten one and a third goals per match. I think that they're going to take this match, but I don't predict them to get any further. Their MVP on the season, my opinion, left winger uh, Megan Rapino. Four goals, five assists. Where they could really do some damage with her is forcing her to pass the ball. If they have somebody really in her face and up in her chest, her uh, passing accuracy has really been down this season. Team's current form, their nil three win on the road over Chicago ended a four-match winless streak. Otherwise, they were really on a slide going into the playoffs. They only scored one goal over that winless stretch. They really need Rapino or somebody to step up. Otherwise, it could be an Angel City upset. Last year, they finished in eighth place. This year, the defense has been very weak, giving up over a goal and a third per match in a league where, again, not that many goals you know, were being scored. But they did have the second best offense getting over one and a third goals per match. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in scoring with five on the year, plus three assists as well. That was clear. Uh, Claire, excuse me, Emsley from Scotland, their right winger. She was second best in big chances missed, though. Eight different times she probably shouldn't have had, should have had a goal and didn't get it. It's going to be really interesting if she can step up on the road here for this one. She played in Orlando, by the way, back in 2019, has been here since then. Another key player to look for, number three in goals conceded per match. Yeah, they really need her to shore things up, and that is Deanna Haracek from the Bosnia and Herzegovina. She gave up a full one and a half goals per match on average, but she spent her whole career in the U.S. despite being from Bosnia. And she's played for like uh, Gotham FC and Washington Spirit and has even made eight national team appearances for Bosnia. Team MVP, in my opinion, has been on the defensive side of the ball. Despite their uh, troubles on that side of the ball, Paige Nielsen has been very good. Uh, center back for them, admittedly somewhat of a pest questionable passer when it comes to accuracy, but she's made up for that with loads of interceptions, and she's got a very good dribble rate. Helps get the offense going, and she's even got a goal this year. Team's current form, they have won two in a row coming into the playoffs. They thrashed Portland Timbers 5-1 to end the regular season. So while my money would still be on OL Reign, I would be a hard-pressed to want to bet on this game. Angel City, they're coming in with a little bit more momentum than their host are bring forth the bonus matches And now for our super cool, unique three bonus matches. The first one is a first versus last place match that my daughter with her homemade echo sound effect dramatically calls the route route route. 
route of 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 the week 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 and we're headed to South America once again for the route of the week this time, a Tuesday match from Colombia, where the top flight is the Primera A. They are in their Clausura stage. Uh, there's only, uh, depending on the team, two to three matches left in this stage. It's a single round robin for each of the Apertura and Clausura stages. The stage playoff winners are the ones that will get to go automatically to the Copa Libertadores down there and get to start in the group stage. Nevertheless, where you finish in the regular season is vital as well, because two other teams will get to go to the South American Champions League. The next four teams, by the way, uh, best overall on the year, will go to the Copa, Copa Sudamericana. Equally relevant, the other end of the table for this, the route of the week. Uh, the relegation table is actually based on a three-year table, and the team we're going to look at is number 16 in that regard. So they're not out of the woods yet, but they're fairly close. And by the way, the top eight teams from this league do get to go to the domestic playoffs. All right, our matchup. Number one, Rio Negro Aguilas. Yeah, the Eagles once again versus number 20, last place this stage, Envigado. They would love to get a point at least out of this match. I think that would cement their safety in that three-year relegation table. Now, uh, the Eagles, they lead number B, Independiente Medellin, by six points. So they almost have the league title wrapped up, but not quite. Embigado, they trail number 19, Cide Jaguares, by two points in the table if they want to avoid the shame of finishing in last place. That's who, who they've got to catch and how close they are. The series between these two historically has actually been to the advantage of Embigado. They've got a 15, 20, and 10 record built up over, oh, probably the last close to decade. And when they played earlier this season, Envigado did manage a point. They got a 2-2 draw at home. Rio Negro Aguilas, let's start with them. They play out of the city of Rio Negro, city of about 150,000 and change. Very diverse economy, and this is a very rich city, as you would measure, measure such things in Colombia. They are known as the Golden Eagles, more specifically, and were founded in 2008. Uh, they made the top flight after 2010. Only took them a couple of years. That said, they have never won a league title, not at stage or on the aggregate table. Three times they have been to the Copa Sudamericana, the secondary international club tournament in South America. They've always gone out in the first round. So this is a really strong season for them so far. They have been undefeated on the stage. And in fact, they have already qualified for the league playoffs. Uh, they finished the Apostura stage just number eight. So they really need to hang on and win this title to have any realistic shot at the Copa Libertadores. They're not going to get there in the aggregate table is what I'm saying. This stage, they have been number one in offense and defense. It's not a particularly high scoring league. Uh, they've been getting almost one and three quarters goals per match. The defense are giving up less than two thirds of a goal per match on average. The offense that they're getting, number one league scorer, there's to boast of with 24. That's on the year, not just the stage. Marco Perez, uh, he plays center forward for them, veteran, number 33, uh, or rather 33 years old overall. And I believe he's probably been in the top three overall on the year. 
Top three in assists the, with 10 of those. That is John Salazar. He plays right winger for them. And their goalkeeper is very good as well. He is second best in clean sheets. That is Jose Contreras. He has uh, kept the blank on the other team 15 times this year. Plays out of Venezuela. Uh, his save percentage is only a little bit above average, but he directs a very good defense in front of him. Team's current form 2-2-0 and in their last four. Uh, looking to salvage anything out of this match. And Begato, they are known as the Quarry of Heroes. In fact, it actually says that in Spanish, of course, right there on their crest, which I think is pretty cool. They are very well known for their academy system. Embagado is also the name of the city out of which they play, and they play out of an area in the country known as the Paisa region. It is very European in its culture, Spanish specifically, obviously. This is also an area that is very well known for having been connected to the Escobar and Medellin cartel. Yet despite that, they've had a very low homicide rate, interestingly, and it's a very wealthy area, I think, independent of the drug cartel stuff. Uh, it's a city of maybe 225,000. It's in the northwest part of the country. Twice they have won the Primera B, the second division title, most recently 2007. The Apertura stage this year, uh, they finished only in 13th place. Their offense, they've been tied for second worst in that regard, not even getting a goal per match, and yet that's been better than their defense. They're the only team giving up over one and a half goals per match this stage. Key players to look for, number one in tackles per 90 minutes, and the only guy that is doing that two and a half times or more per match, and that is uh, Gayindri Cuervo. He is from Colombia, right back, just 22 years old. Uh, tied for number three in, uh, unfortunately, for worst in goals conceded, giving up nearly one and a third goals per match on his own, and that is uh, Hoan or Joan, I'm not sure how to handle the J here, Para. He's 23 years old. Just like he doesn't really know how to handle his net. Ooh, snap. What a burn. Team's current form. Yeah, that was sad. I know. Don't care. 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three. Uh, they just beat Deportivo Cali 3-0. So good on them and coming into this match with a little bit of momentum. That was their first win, though, in their last six matches. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> Nobody else may be talking about teams like these stuck smack dab in the middle of their top flight tables, but we will and we celebrate them in song. Yes, your most meaningless match of the world this week is a Sunday match from Hungary, where the name of the league looks so hard to pronounce. I'm going with the standard Western abbreviation and simply going to call it the NB1. Hungary's top flight is the number 25 ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they get just still one team into the Champions League, but two teams will go to the Europa Conference League. And then uh, two of the 12 teams are going to get relegated. Of course, that doesn't mean a lot with the most meaningless match in the world. They're almost a third of the way through the season here, so there's still time for things to change. Nevertheless, looking as devoid of meaning as can be right now, number seven, Debrecen versus number eight, Ferovar. Debrecen currently lead Ferovar by two points in the table. Uh, give you an idea how far out they are from meaningful placements. Uh, Debrecen trail number three, Ferenc Varos, already by six points in the table. You can just imagine as the season goes on, that's going to get extremely 
extrapolated into a wider and wider margin. Farivar, meanwhile, they lead number 11 at Kiss Varda by four points in the table. Yeah, probably not going to be in the relegation zone this year. Uh, the series between these two, Farivar, have uh, had the advantage. They've accrued a 19-5-11 record. As always, hosts first, Deborah Sen. Uh, that is also the second biggest city within Hungary. I'm embarrassed to say that I wasn't familiar with it. I didn't even know it was the name of a city. 200,000 plus people there. It's in the northeast part of the country. They are known as the Loki. Yeah, spelled just as we would, uh, you know, the Greek god, L-O-K-I. Couldn't find a translation for it in Hungarian, so I'm not really sure what that is. They've actually won the league title seven times. They were all between 2004-2005 and the 2013-14 season. So just a couple, three years before I really started following football in earnest. Told you I was a noob. 2009-2010 Champions League. They did make the group stage. That's the best they've ever done. Uh, this year, they played in the Europa Conference League because they finished in last year's league in third place. And they advanced all the way to the third qualifying round of that event. This year, they're a little bit better on offense, or excuse me, defense than offense. They're above average in that regard, giving up just a touch over one and a half goals per match. Key player to look for on the scoring side of things, though, with four on the year so far, is a Stefan Longcaris from Montenegro. Actually, he plays defensive midfielder for them, so it's interesting that he's their scoring leader already. Uh, he made 11 national team appearances uh, for Montenegro since 2017. On the assist leaderboard with three on the year is Balash uh, Jujak, uh, or Jujak, I should say. Give my emphasis on the right syllable. There's a lot of DZ combos in there. Even an S thrown in with one of them. Oh, I love Hungarian. He plays attacking midfielder for them. 36-year-old veteran who spent the longest stint of his career uh, in the Netherlands with PSV Eindhoven. Very good team. Team's current form. Uh, their 2-2 draw at... Ferenc Varos snapped a three-match losing streak. Uh, and here's the most meaningless fact for you. Deborah Sen hosted the first-ever IAAF World Road Running Championships in 2006. Wonder if it would have been more meaningful if they had the road runner there. Maybe the Coyote. All right, Ferivar. They are from a town that, all right, here we go. Shekisverishvar. No, Shekis Ferivar. So you drop the Shekis, and then you're left with the club name Ferivar. Thankfully, much easier to say, at least for me. Uh, Ferivar is also a city, or the whole thing is a city, excuse me, in the north-central part of the country, just within the top 10 in size. Uh, it's a major transportation hub for the entire country, as well as that particular region. They are ranked just outside the top 100 clubs in UEFA. Just to give you a little perspective in that regard, they are known as the Vidi. Uh, that's another one. I couldn't find a Hungarian translation before. They've earned three league titles, most recently 2017-18. A little bit strange to find either of these teams in a meaningless match like this. 2018-2019 uh, Champions League, they made the playoff round, which is just shy of the group stage, and that's the best they've ever done in that one. Uh, they made the final of what is now known as the Europa League in the 1984-1985 season. Best they've ever done internationally. Statistically, this year, well, they're tied for number four on offense, getting almost two goals per match. The defense is uh, what is kind of dragging them down a bit. They're below average in that regard.
Key players to look for on the scoring leaderboard with four is Keenan Kodro from Bosnia-Herzegovina. Plays striker for them. Best club he's probably made time with is Athletic Club. Made time with. That's a little bit of an interesting way to phrase that, uh, noob. How about spent time with? Make it a little less adult. Uh, tied for number B in assists for them this year with four on the year is Jolt Kalmar. He plays central midfielder for them. He's been with Leipzig over in Germany's top flight a couple different times. Team's current form, they have won two straight. A most meaningless fact for them uh, and this city, uh, this used to be a place where a lot of the kings were buried in uh, long bygone days. And one of the kings was known as Coloman the Bookish. He passed away in 1116. Just kind of a name I found interesting. And now match number 13 appropriately, where we do not finish the show on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with wailing or gnashing of teeth. This is the fresh hellscape that is the match of Disappointed! And if you're a new listener, I'll bet you could even guess. Yes, it's going to be two teams from the very bottom of their table, somewhere stinking up whatever proverbial joint or league they are in. We've selected a Sunday match for you from the women's side of things in Sweden, where the top flight is called the Damos Venskan Liga. It is the number 23 ranked women's league in all of Europe. Two of their teams will get to go to the Women's Champions League second qualifying round next year. One will have to start in the first qualifying round. Uh, two are going to get relegated. One will have to try to fight for their top fly lives in relegation playout match against the second division team. Far more appropriate here for this particular match. There's only two matches left in the season. Virtually no time left to save their reputations. Talking about number 13, Brahma Poyakarna versus number 14, and easier to say for me, Kalmar. Uh, Brahma, let's shorten it up. They lead Kalmar by 14. I don't feel bad uh, shortening that up. That's actually the name of the city is Brahma. I'm sure the rest translates to a soccer club or people trying to play soccer who are bad at it or something like that. Uh, right now, it is Kalmar, though, who are the ones that really are ripe. Uh, Brahma lead them by 14 points in the table. They are mathematically going, going, gone. Uh, Brahma, they trail number... Uh, they trail number 12 IK Uppsala by just two points so they have a little bit of time to try to climb at least one spot and maybe get to stay in the Damals event skin the series between these two recently it's been uh, to uh, Kalmar's advantage with a 2-1 and 0 record uh, let's talk about Brahma first they actually won the first one nil one earlier this year on the road now they get to host Brahma is a municipality in the western Stockholm area uh, the southeast part of Brahma is actually one of the richest areas in all of Sweden. Makes one wonder why they don't have a better soccer club. About 75,000 people there. I'm going to try to say the full name of the club. Uh, Idrats uh, Foringen Brahma Poikarna Damlag. Yeah, basically means the Women's Sporting Association of Brahma. Uh, the men's club is not regarded as a major team. And, and the women's team, they, well, they just are full of major suckitude is all. Uh, they, uh, the men's side, I know at the very least, has this going for them. They've got the largest youth academy in the world. I'm assuming that that probably has a lot of the women's players in play as well. This is a team that's been in the top flight for about a decade. They moved up in 2014. Last year, they finished in 12th place, and so they had to play the third-place team from the second division for the right to stay up. Uh, their offense and defense both are amongst the very worst in the league, and they have the number 13 goal differential. Key players to look for, uh, team scoring leader with 
four on the year. And again, keep in mind, they're at the end of the season and four is the best they've been able to do. That is Clara Andrup. She is their striker, their team assist leader, and she's not tied with anybody. She's the only one with multiple assists with two. And that is Louise Lilbach. She is their right winger. We've also got a USA connection here. Couldn't find out much about her really easily, but uh, yeah, she would perhaps prefer to keep her anonymity given how bad the team is. That is goalkeeper Maggie Smither. Team's current four one, one, and one in their last three. Credits where it's due. We've seen far worse and just a four versus five cold differential. But now here's where we sink into the absolute muck, and that is with Kalmar. They are named after the town they play of in the, the southeast part of the country, 40,000 plus there. Used to be a very heavy industrial area. They used to make steam engines, trains, large machinery here. Now it's largely a university town. They are still winless, yes, even this far into the season. Worst offense by over 50%, barely getting over a goal once every three matches. Perhaps the worst I have ever seen in my three years doing this show. Worst defense by about two-thirds, giving up three-to-quarters goals per match. Worst goal differential by two-and-a-half times. Yeah, do you need a clothespin for your nose? I do, too. It appears I don't even know who to tell you to watch for this team that's any good. Nobody's got multiple goals. At least we've got a USA connection, although, again, anonymity might be her friend. Jessica Ayers, she plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, seven straight losses, and I hope you're sitting down with a one against 32 goal differential over that stretch. Oh, how badly the team that actually gave up a goal must feel. Wonder if it was an own goal out of sheer pity. Well, they will get no pity from us, and we accept no excuses. And rather than wishing any either of these teams good luck or good fortune, we will instead shoo them away out of our lives in our traditional harsh fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. boo. And that's a wrap on Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To my co-host and your true star of the show, Person Noob, thank you so much for everything you do and for who you are. And thank you for whatever you do, and certainly for whoever you are. Thank you to you for finding the show, making it all the way through. And uh, we hope that you will consider passing us along if you enjoyed it to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.